Welcome to Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Hello there, Matt. Hello there, listeners. Here today to talk to you about the totality of Season 1, the series, maybe? Yes? No? Of Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. First, Pete, a quick trip to Anchorhead for power converters. Uh, a reminder that tomorrow we'll be podcasting Star Trek Strange New World, episode 109. Uh, Pete, I see you have the helpful note here to batten down the hatches uh, of social media against spoilers for the season one finale next week. Uh, I appreciate that, particularly since uh, there was stuff in this past week's Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm glad I was able to experience on my own without any spoilers. Yeah, it's going to be a biggie. So if you're watching that and you don't want to know anything, uh, get the heck out of Dodge. Increasingly mad, and I know it's not our listeners, but there's the, you know, why you put this out on social media, and I saw it. Um, Be careful out there. Why were you posting your reactions from when you watched it and enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it uh, and, and put it in the way of me who had yet to watch? Uh, it is a bit of a backwards proposition there, Pete. Uh, meanwhile, yesterday we were talking Ms. Marvel episode four, uh, that heading into two more episodes of the season next week and uh, really enjoying that journey. Yeah, it's strange to think that we're two-thirds of the way done there. The penultimate episode coming this week. Really uh, looking forward to how that's going to shake out and keeping it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU there. We'll be taking in Thor Love and Thunder uh, this coming week on Thursday, and we will podcast on Monday, July 11th, 7-11. Pete, here's how synchronized we are with the universe. We will be seeing Thor 4 on the day named for Thor. Thursday. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Maybe that's not the most coincidental thing ever. That was probably (laughs) more seeing Doctor Strange and seeing Captain Picard and Captain uh, Pike show up in those or the actors on the days when their shows were on and all that. But but Pete, bring it on back here to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. How has it been doing? in the ratings as best as we can tell through third-party metrics. Samba TV saying here that the finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, had about 1.8 million U.S. households, 20% higher than what the uh, Book of Boba Fett finale did, about 1.5 million households. I feel like when one compares that to broadcast. None of these numbers, whether it's, you know, Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, WandaVision, and so forth, none of them are super amazing when it comes to broadcast numbers, but that's not the name of the game. Streaming is the name of the game, and um, I guess, Pete, if it's higher than the last Star Wars thing, that's where you want things going. You don't want to say for any of these properties, oh, we can consistently say Star Wars TV is cooling, you know, and that certainly is not the case here with Kenobi. Well, now that the season and possibly the series, and we'll talk about the potential there for more to come, has finished. Looking back here, these uh, six parts as they were, 
uh, one time a movie, now a Disney Plus streaming show. I, first and foremost, in trying to understand these six episodes, I would really look forward to uh, whenever it is that the behind the scenes will be shared. Um, and Disney tends to make those behind the scenes a little close to the vest. So I don't know that we're necessarily going to get like, oh, here we are taking the 180 page script, pulling pages apart, turning it in, uh, into a TV show. But that kind of is my question. I think these six episodes worked exceedingly well. I don't see any particular stitches from like, oh, the first two episodes were the movie. Then they went on junk mission for the middle three and then came back to the movie for the last episode like it, I, I couldn't see where that where that process was nor frankly would i expect to see that with the amount of writers who had their hands on the six scripts um so i, I look forward to kind of understanding how that transformation process occurred and you know if you're going to look at it from the amount of content the the two maybe two and a half hour movie idea as opposed to disney tends to like the 300 ish minute aspect uh concept for whatever they're going to give you with a season of streaming we definitely got more and i think on the topic of more or more versus less i'm not quite sure how i want to attack this concept but I feel like the six episodes were a full meal and we got a full story arc and we got questions answered and we got time with characters we didn't know before and, and time with characters that we've never known during this time period. Uh, however, it's nonetheless left me wanting more in terms of, frankly, the whole Kenobi six episode experience. Um, so I guess that's nothing but compliment in that I'm saying I am full. I would like more. And really, it's not as if it wasn't as advertised, Matt, you know, who did they put out for promotional material? Of course, you put out series star and executive producer Ewan McGregor, right? So much made of Hayden Christensen coming back to Star Wars. OK, and then you got your Moses Ingram and you watch the first episode and the first character we see is Reva. Yeah, uh, you certainly were heads up on that theory from the get-go that that Riva was uh, one of the younglings, and you know, so kudos to you there. I think it also kind of weirdly gives a second backbone to the story, if you will. Like, of course, Obi Wan Kenobi the series is about Obi Wan Kenobi and where he starts and where he finishes, but they also snuck in this Riva arc as well, which in a certain sense, mirrors the Kenobi journey that we see in these six episodes in that she is, she's on the wrong path in the beginning. And by the end, she's on a, a better path. Uh, so kudos to you show for something, you know, Star Wars tends to be fairly straightforward. We don't have a lot of, you know, you know, time travel elements. We don't have a lot of, you know, secretly uh, we, we're doing a secret flashback episode or things like that obviously some exceptions to the rule there, but things tend to be straightforward. And the fact that they snuck in all the Riva work underneath the Kenobi work uh, really is impressive. And that Moses Ingram was a target, of course, of just such disgusting attacks. And the way that those 
uh, obviously helped the viewership in terms of, hey, let's uh, support her. Uh, people are watching this. People are enjoying it. Uh, which, of course, Matt, led to the false flag theories that, uh, oh, it never happened, or the actress uh, sent those things to herself. Yeah, some people are a little too interested in coming up with grand theories to excuse behaviors of people like them uh, versus, uh, <laughs> frankly, the more straightforward and reasonable scenario. I, I don't say reasonable in terms of it should happen, but just the... the the uh, all too familiar scenario where, where this sort of negative behavior happens online. I do think, I do wonder, do we have in her someone who in a year's time can be Emmy nominated for this? And, and I sound like I'm hedging my statement only because it's more than who are the best qualified people. You know, there's a whole awards arc to things and momentum and all of that. Will Pete, do you think Emmy voters will remember this Riva performance enough in one year's time to nominate her for this show. I certainly hope so. Um, there's the obvious four year consideration campaigns that, you know, Disney doesn't exactly need to look uh, between the cushions of the couch for quarters. Um, but, you know, this streaming era has just come with, and, and particularly now that they've learned to produce content in a pandemic, you know, we had that bottleneck and then, you know, we've returned to pre pandemic levels. There's just so much. And you worry about a wonderful performance like this. I mean, beginning, middle, end getting lost in the cacophony of so much content. I will say this. Uh, I know that as wide open and flexible as the Emmys are in terms of categories and nominations and nomination windows and all of that, it did cross my mind. One of the things that, that Emmy does not like is when you are a limited series and then you get nominated or wins or whatever in the, the limited category. And then you say, oops, we're actually going to do more. Yeah. So it did cross my mind, Pete, the fact that the decision has been made to not run Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series uh, for nominations this July and awards this September to, to hold it off for a year. I'm not saying that is a smoking gun proof. They are doing a second season. It does make life a little easier to be able to say, you know, and with all of these Obi-Wan uh, nominations, we are now also announcing a season two or or a season two run could get people excited for a season one nomination process or that sort of thing. So I would say, Pete, more of a hope than not for, for more episodes. That big little lies effect, of course, that you're referring to there. Oh, it's totally a limited series. Here's here's all your nominations. Oh, yeah. And, and joining the cast for season two. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, Pete, a common theme from some of the things we've discussed thus far in the first, uh, you know, 12 minutes or so here is... You know, some shows are meant to be a certain number of episodes, and I'm not saying they're meant by this person or that person. Some shows just feel right at a certain amount. It seems like you, me, most people who watch this would be happy for 
kind of more of the same, if you will, obviously not a rehash of the story, but you know, I know in prior podcasts we've discussed, well, maybe they do a, a Riva spinoff or maybe Kenobi shows up as a special guest star in the next season of whatever, or it sounds like plenty of people are just okay with Obi-Wan Kenobi season two. Yeah. And given some of the stuff that's now being bandied about that they cut or changed for this season, for instance, Matt, uh, they were going to do Commander Cody. They were going to have Tamora Morrison play Obi-Wan's uh, clone uh, that was kind of, you know, tagging along with him during the Clone Wars and give a whole arc to him where he was going to kind of first sneak up on him and then, you know, reveal that he had pulled out his inhibitor chip Um and then do this kind of buddy situation where when uh, Obi-Wan needed to leave Tatooine, have um, Commander Cody kind of watching over Luke Skywalker. I think there are pros and cons to that. Surely some of the Lucasfilm discussion is kind of where is your average audience member at this point? How many of them have seen every episode of Clone Wars three times how many people own the visual dictionary how many people are going to be like hey that's the guy from boba fett that must be boba fett wasn't boba fett also like a clone or something because i remember seeing that when i saw the prequel trilogy like five years ago um so this is probably boba fett right as opposed to no there's a whole backstory so i guess pete it, let me this way if they want to do commander cody in season two i think that they could do it. It could be done maybe with a little careful explanation like, ah, yes, my old clone friend, there you are. Something like that to really make things clear. But I guess ultimately I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they did not use that bit for this season as it was told. You still got your Tamora Morrison in there. And I think where they were truly smart with this season was that it was hyper-focused on Obi-Wan Reva, you know, obviously second build in this story. But, you know, when he comes across Tamora Morrison playing a clone, all right, he's playing a 500 first clone. He's playing one of uh, Anakin Vader's Legion. And even that's a, a stab in the chest to Obi-Wan. Yeah. I, and speaking of that hyper focus, I don't know what the right, I don't know if there's an objective answer for what is the right way to make TV for, let's say, a modern adult audience that's also inclusive to teens and tweens. It's also inclusive to perhaps an older audience. But it has been interesting reflecting on this Kenobi arc, reflecting on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And then for me, more recently, and for you, kind of earlier last month, um, the latest go round of Stranger Things, all of which have different kind of recipes right the average kenobi episode can we say 42 minutes give or take um and six of them so like when it's like hey there's a lady to help in part three and she's dead by part five okay i understand the arc of tala right um strange new worlds is kind of a little bit more spaced out but oftentimes we'll still have a two or three episode arc there where you go and i won't do any spoilers peep you can say oh this person has a concern in episode uh, beginning of season they have they're still dealing with it in the middle of the season ah it's now been resolved at the end 
um then with str- with uh, stranger things you have kind of many many things going into super super long episodes um i know that for for a star wars property they seem to have really zeroed in on shorter episodes versus longer and obviously shorter episode uh, shorter episodes per season versus longer i know mandalorian has inched up a little bit but i think that for what star wars wants to do they're at a they're at a good pace here and again look at the amount that that formula has turned into that we finished obi-wan kenobi we're on the precipice matt of 12 episodes of andor so double this length and that's going to be a part one they're going to film a part two this fall so presumably a year later maybe a little bit more um i'm not quite remembering the andor filming dates but you know you mentioned stranger things and listen i i love the stranger things we've talked about it throughout our podcast we've never formally podcasted although there have been people who have who have asked us um you know what what would make it even harder is the wobbling length and you know just kind of all over the place um you know run times of this fourth season which i think from a consumer end and, and i really hadn't reflected on it until sitting down to watch Stranger Things on a consumer end. It's kind of weird. Like, okay, the last time I watched, it was about an hour. Maybe it was a little shorter, but then I had to pause to go refill my drink, or maybe it was a little longer because it's a jam-packed episode. But to sit and say, okay, preparing for the last episode of the season, Pete, it's only two and a half hours long, the one episode. Uh, Exactly. It's the Stranger Things movie. And again, I don't want to complain that I'm getting too much uh in fact maybe i'll watch it first before i you know pass judgment but um again just kind of looking at this overarching notion that not only not only is you know lucasfilm sitting down and they're getting deborah chow and they're getting all these people together to say let's make a really great obi-wan thing we have movie scripts and we have drafts and we have a covid pause so let's really make the best story we can make they also need to do it with consideration towards a obviously like the disney plus schedule like oh it's all well you know you want to do seven kenobi episodes well that's going to run into our plan for overlapping with ms marvel or that's going to run into our plan to do the summertime uh there's some teen zombie thing that's in its third or fourth tv movie on you know, like whatever it is there's those considerations let alone like what does the audience expect and what does the audience like and dislike and so forth so it's kind of weird i mean Again, let me just reiterate. I know the Kenobi episodes are roughly an hour broadcast, an hour broadcast TV long, which is to say about forty-two to forty-five minutes long a piece. And I know that they came out weekly, and I know that they did. You know, it's a shorter season arc, six episodes, but a season arc nonetheless. But still, we're in this wild west scenario of was that the best way to tell a story? Again, I think it was the best way to tell this story. Beyond that. You know, I don't know. Compared to what they've done with the Star Wars stories, the two that we've gotten, Rogue One and, and Solo, that this began life as one of those and that they reconsidered it. And, oh, look, now we have this ability 
there's this streaming thing and you can stream these on here. And, you know, now we can talk about this over the course of a little bit more than a month instead of, all right, there's the two, two and a half hour movie that will be watched in theaters. And then, I mean, geez, Matt, you know, we both enjoyed Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but boom, there it is now on your Disney+. Plus. There it is now on your Disney Plus, and also it crossed my mind when we went to go see Doctor Strange 2 in theaters, zero complaints, a lot of fun, all, you know, all the, all the, the whole expected Marvel experience, some twists, some turns, some astonishment, some gasps, and all that, and I walked out of there going, uh, cool, I have no inclination to go see this again until it hits Disney Plus, 45 days later, hey, watch it with my wife and daughter my wife had not seen it before um i think it took us two nights to make it through just because of scheduling stuff but got done with it and i was like okay cool don't know when i'm ever gonna watch this movie again conversely if you take and pete quick google search says that uh, the kenobi series without credits uh went around uh total runtime 228 minutes um so obviously longer uh by a decent chunk than the average feature film but not kind of impossibly um long there but to, to take this story and to each week go oh man what will happen next week i mean yes it's great for the podcast milieu and all that but my point is this is the kenobi brand to be hyper focused here is the kenobi title this the, the obi-wan kenobi series brand is that better after these six weeks than the doctor strange brand you know, like, again, Pete, what are you more excited for? They're going to go out to D23 in September and say, Doctor Strange 3 coming or Kenobi Season 2 coming. Uh, they could, of course, say both. But which one are you more excited, more hoping to hear that they're going to announce? I mean, I don't want to make it comparative between the two when they are so very different. But, you know, looking at Kenobi and the possibilities that they've left open whether they want to return to him to Riva in a second season or spin that off um part of me hopes both that they would leave it alone that they would let this you know breathe and the way that it's enhanced uh you know the the journey going obviously from three to rebels to uh you know, episode four, A New Hope, or to to give us a little bit more, but then, all right, like, what's that look like? A little bit more Liam Neeson, perhaps, now that he's returned after a quarter century. Um, do you do the Reva there? Do you spin Reva off separately? Do we do some more Haja? Do we spin him off separately? I think that'd be really fun as a as a series uh same with o'shea jackson jr's roken cowlin roken there um you know does he make it to andor we talked about in the finale podcast there strangely matt people have been like oh man i'm really hankering for a darth vader series um okay a couple of thoughts <laughs> first is while I can look at the schedule and say, okay, we had Book of Boba Fett. In, in the calendar year of 2022, we had Book of Boba Fett 
you know, it started December 29th, but we had Book of Boba Fett. We had Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're going to have Andor. Um, and hey, that's three. Like, we're quickly getting into more versus less. We're kind of quickly getting into Marvel turf of three to four to five series, that kind of thing. I do wonder if still baked into kind of recent Lucasfilm memory is the notion that they were doing on the movie end, at least that they were doing too much too fast. Um, I think to their surprise, right? Everybody wants to do Marvel and what's the, what's in the, what's almost as valuable, uh, if not more valuable in the Disney crown, other than Marvel, it's gotta be star Wars. So do the same thing and people can handle different times or different characters or whatever it is. And somehow something went a little funny there. So I do wonder Yes, I think there is the possibility of setting up all the spinoffs that you've mentioned. I do wonder, again, kind of if in corporate memory or even I don't even mean like corporate bookkeeper, but just if in leadership memory, it's like, hey, we don't want to go too fast. We don't want to feel like we're putting Star Wars in a position where now it's becoming passe or it's becoming like, you know, people are kind of over it. Um I would add to that baked into the Star Wars experience is the spinoffs to wherever like, hey, there's a guy with an elephant face. I don't know. Give him a name and he's going to be a cool toy, Um, let alone, you know, role playing games and animation and novels and so forth. So I know kind of pessimistically, I've wondered sometimes on the Star Trek end, oh, they've just set up a they've set up a, a, a loose end there because, you know, book department is going to come along and go secret story of navigator jim or whatever it is (laughs) um so i guess i don't mean to be pessimistic about this property or these characters is it possible somebody said i don't forget let's leave an open-ended thing here for for roken because he could be a really great comic book character roken teams up with uh chrysanthemum that could that could move some marvel comics in a year from now um, and again, I'm not trying to sound pessimistic on it. Just that's kind of how star Wars works is you build stuff out, you overstuff things and you pull from here and there. So all those are good ideas, except for the Darth Vader thing. That would just be lame because Pete, he's a bad guy until he's a good guy in return to the Jedi. The rest of the time is him just force choking a bunch of civilians, which I don't think is, uh, the star Wars vision of tomorrow kind of thing. And it's not as if we don't have six movies that go through that as well as what Anakin does in the Clone Wars as well. Um, But you look at this series, again, I come back to how advertised and what Star Wars streaming has been is the idea that, all right, they will still surprise you. You go to Mandalorian, obviously, the inclusion of the child Grogu. You go to the book of Boba Fett. Oh, look, hey, we can surprise you about what this character is going to do. Oh, yeah, and we know you like Mandalorian and uh, Grogu and Ahsoka and what we've done with Luke Skywalker. So we're going to tuck that in there and you're going to have no idea and why these are event series. And to begin this journey with Kenobi, Oh, yeah, he's going to be protecting Luke Skywalker because that's what he does. Because, Matt, could you imagine six straight episodes of him, you know, cutting, cutting the Tibidon, you know, the the big, uh, you know, uh, beast that he, he works in the remnants of and taking the train every day and getting his 
Binox there and watching Luke uh, hang out if we didn't go and do the little Princess Leia story. Dear Diary, today, Luke changed a power converter. <laughs> Note to self, he seems to really like power converters. <laughs> Next Boonta's Eve, I shall leave him power converters. And uh, perhaps he will believe in the Boonta Eve bunny. Blah, blah, blah. Um, no, you're right. I think the biggest joy of this show has been not really knowing what the you know what the middle four episodes, uh, which is say two through five, most of six, and the first you know or the second half of the first episode. So you know not not knowing what the vast majority of the show was going to be about, and kind of in retrospect going, yeah, it would be dumb if he's just sitting there watching him, or if it's like. Oh man, Luke will never know that there's Darth Larry is coming. So I'm going to battle Darth <laughs> Larry. Darth the, Larry. And, yeah, like, but then Luke is never going to, he's going to sleep through the whole thing. Like, uh, of course, in retrospect, a change in setting is what is called for, which brings with it a change in characters, brings with it a change in adventure, and now things are interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think good, good choices there. And I think, too, a little bit of a template for future storytelling in terms of, you know, if you want to say, okay, it's a slight weakness that Obi-Wan watched him for 10 years and got called away and nobody watched Luke for him in that kind of guardianship factor. Yes, Owen and Baru were there. Yes, hashtag uh, tough Baru. Baru hides weapons and so forth. Um, but, you know, if you want to say, well, for the second season, that's when Commander Cody is going to come and watch Luke and that'll be enough wiggle room for another off-world adventure. Uh, sure, sure, bring it on. I think the idea, too, that if you're going to return to these characters so, so many years later, okay, in iterations, let's remember that Ewan McGregor is the second person to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let's remember that George Lucas never, ever said, hey, so uh, 40 years from now, there will be little movies on your home screens where we will go back and, and tell these stories. It was never a thing that he thought about, even with all the hundreds of millions of Rick McCallum scripts that uh, Star Wars had in the first decade of this century. OK, so that that canon can stretch but not break. And to illustrate this, that Princess Leia interacted with Ben slash Obi-Wan Kenobi and that they knew each other and that it can all still fit instead of. But but she sent him a holographic message and it was in a cold, detached tone and uh, it means they had never been around one another. Yeah, something that I've found myself saying on the Star Trek Changing Worlds podcast this season, and I think it's bled over a bit to Kenobi, and I think maybe this is true for a lot of people, that's why I bring it up, is I think fandom has reached a point with some things like that, the answer is, I just don't care. Like, I really, really care about the experience of the guy that made uh, American graffiti going into the Tunisian desert to make this movie that the British crew thought was stupid and nobody respected him when they got back to London to film the interiors and turned into this Oscar nominated thing. The biggest thing ever, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's a really, really kind of compelling place to come from. But like, 
I don't care anymore that the stormtrooper bangs his head and it's in a new hope. And it's kind of cool that they then retcon that into like, I guess it's a clone thing. Like those are details. I don't care about. Those are details that, you know, Django bumps his head in episode two on uh, his ship. Yeah. Getting in like, so, so, I mean, those are cute (laughs) little moments, but if the way Carrie Fisher delivered a line on a soundstage while George Lucas was asleep in the director's chair, and that's not a slam. He would oftentimes fall asleep in the director's chair because he was working really hard. But like, you know, if she gave a performance that was a certain kind of performance as a 19-year-old with a director who's asleep in a movie that nobody believed in, if that performance that day is going to prevent us from getting a Kenobi series in, you know, announced in the, you know, uh, 2019 and, you know, filmed in 2020, 2021 and all that. If we're going to let those things get in the way of it, I don't care. I don't care how she said it. I don't care the context of it. Give me some more Star Wars. Guess what? It's all still pretend people. They're doing it with the best fidelity necessary, not with, you know, slavish devotion to here's a decision that George made when he wrote the 19th uh, edit to the script back in 1976. And when he hired Eddie Fisher's daughter, here's how she get. People don't care about those things anymore. I don't think they they do. You can love your Star Wars or your Star Trek or your Doctor Who or your whatever. You can love it, live it, breathe it. But if if now those are things that are getting in the way from making more, then it's time to just let go of that teddy bear just a little bit. For me, the gift has been in, in getting more of these characters and then expanding the world around them and getting characters like Reva and Haja. And to see young Princess Leia and, and be able to do that and, and Lola, like what a what a treat that was, this this little droid that can now fit within this mythology, you know. So the fact that you watch Princess Leia before and she speaks with a British accent in part of A New Hope and then suddenly drops it, you know, this can't fit. And I would add to it too, you know, I, I've been watching some uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff for the Batman has hit YouTube like from the Blu-ray, so I didn't buy the Blu-ray. That was nice. But anyhow, where they're kind of talking about like, oh yes, Greg Fraser, he had worked with these LED walls before. Okay, I get it. It's a Warner <laughs> Brothers movie. You're not going to sit and say over at Disney, over at Star Wars, but like to know that. To know that here we are a couple of years after the first season of The Mandalorian came out. Yes, LED walls are still bleeding edge, but not the way they were four years ago. Now they're using them on Star Trek. Now they're using them for the, for Batman scenes. Now they're using them for this and that, the other. And I think for me, one of the technological advancements from this season has been the, again, what I can only assume was some of the voice synthesizer work for darth vader yes powered by james earl jones but he sounds better now than when he when there was not computer help for rogue one um and again that might be that might sound like a minimal thing but the notion that obviously with rights and contracts and compensation and all of that but the notion that 50 years from now there can be a new darth vader scene with the voice of darth vader Mm -hmm. that's super exciting technology it's maybe not quite as sexy as oh man there's a guy in a suit who's standing on a soundstage but it looks like an ice planet um because you know the visual is a little more eye-popping of course than than the audio is but there's only one james earl jones voice and if they've 
I think that, you know, I think for, for Book of Boba Fett and uh, Mandalorian, I think there were kind of some complaints like, oh, Luke's voice sounds a little funny here or, oh, they're, I think I can pick a part that maybe they're limited to certain takes or certain head moves to fit the voice to do the lip sync and all of that like a you don't have a lip sync issue with darth vader and b if you've just advanced that technology further and again i want to stress with the proper rights because i certainly don't want you know humphrey bogart's great grandson to be like what do you mean he's in movies now and you know like th there's an unfairness factor that I'm, I'm going to assume disney is doing fairly here but you know man we got fresh powerful sounding darth vader in this uh, at a time in James Earl Jones's life where I think the technology only improved that performance. And another compelling arc that he would feel this conflict with Obi-Wan, that he would make mistakes, that he would fight him two times here. So we added two duels, uh, some cat and mouse stuff, the intrigue added of the Inquisitors, uh, the, the several of them that we got. Um, it, it's a meal. This series was a was a total meal. And in the way that a series can be breaking it up over several sittings instead of, you know, all right, I got my five patty hamburger right now. I'm going to sit down and eat this. Yeah, Um and again, not to linger on this topic of how viewing habits have changed and so forth, but this this feels like a meal that's divided properly. You can sit down, and if you want to do, if you want to spend the entire day doing a rewatch, you could certainly do that. You want to sit and you know do two a night for three nights or that kind of thing. It feels it feels kind of easily compactable in a in a really satisfying way. And I, you know, I think that's not just the minute counts. And so forth. It really speaks instead to how this story works and how, you know, how all the effort that went into writing this from the first draft of the movie to the final edit that was delivered to us with the last episode on June 22nd. And, you know, it, it's got to be eight different writers that had their hands on these six episodes. Um, it just, you know, each episode has its own arc each one fits into the larger piece in a way that that never feels slow and always feels like we're moving with the right amount of characters and we're moving them the right distance from episode to episode and i look back too and i think all right we we just did a lot of tatooine with the book of boba fett um where i thought that might go to a couple more locations and this really kind of giving me that you know panorama of the galaxy okay we went from tatooine to dayu to mustafar to mapuzo to uh the the water moon outside of uh mustafar to jabim uh to alderaan you know we we got around quite a bit for this series Pete, thank you for giving me room to point out uh, that the water moon is called Noor, just in case people thought I didn't know the names of all the places, too. And I know I <laughs> have the Wikipedia open as we as we're talking here. But I think to your point, you, you know, I think back to the comment in the last couple of weeks where Taika Waititi was saying his Star Wars movie is going to be kind of a brand fresh take and it's not going to be concerned with 
the you know existing characters i know there's been other quotes out of lucasfilm like we're moving on from the the uh the skywalker saga okay you're moving on from the skywalker saga then these six episodes come out deeply tied to the you have three skywalkers in it right um and if you want to include uncle owen and aunt Peru, you have five people related to skywalkers and all of that um but the point being for as much as this is deeply tied into you know a super nostalgic take here you know stories implied uh in the first movie and all of that it is also new characters new locations and so forth and you know i th- i think back to the last jedi and it was like what broom kid that's dumb i don't want to find out about broom kid what he's going to do a broom kid trilogy is that true what um maybe i was being a little too judgmental there you know if you want to tell me Somebody's going to tell the story of Broom, Broom Kid on Noor, or we're going to go back to Mapuzo with Haja or something like some kind of combination there. I think this show has helped kind of elbow its way into really saying, no, 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 we're going to start to move on from the joy of seeing Luke Skywalker circa age 31. Like we're slowly going to start to move away from that core Skywalker thing, even though we spent kind of time with the skywalker saga in these six episodes can there be star wars without some form of legacy in it in some way shape or form i mean we've yet to really have that haven't we you know we we return with the the sequel trilogy and obviously we bring back uh leia han and luke Um, we go to streaming, oh, here's the Mandalorian. And, you know, ultimately, because we're, you know, a little earlier than the sequels, we, we bring in Luke Skywalker. Oh, here's Ahsoka. Who's, who's now become a legacy character. Um, for as much as I truly, truly want to see Taika Waititi do that movie, you know, use his his words where he's not going to bring in Chewbacca's grandmother, you know, inevitably something's got to pop in or overlap. Right. Um, If there's a guy to do it, it's him. You know, if if there's somebody who could take a, a brand new alien or aliens and just tell a story about them. He's the guy I want right now to be able to do that. We're going to see how he goes about that. And, and maybe that is the, you know, part of the, the path forward for those films, but the way that they've treated Disney plus as the movie theater for star Wars in, in recent memory. Okay. Remembering too, that, you know, at one point, the the Boba Fett movie, and and what did we get out of that, Matt? We've gotten two series, uh, two seasons, um, you know, of the Mandalorian, two series there with the the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, and more of the Mandalorian coming. I I think they're making the right calls in terms of, you know, what they're going to and where they're putting it. It is interesting to think, has the crown jewel in Hollywood changed to a point where, you know, it is your most prominent place to put your most prominent thing? Is that on TV? I mean, ask The Walking Dead at its height. I mean, nothing 
was getting viewing numbers like The Walking Dead. The only thing that was remotely close was Game of Thrones, and that was like, well, it's subscription, so there's that's going to take a certain bite out of it. But similarly, when Game of Thrones was at its height, um, it's, it's certainly in terms of viewership, I mean, that was the biggest thing on the planet. And I think that if you said season seven is going to be it, we have four more hours to tell, and that's going to be Game of Thrones movie one and Game of Thrones movie two. I think people would have just said, no way, no how. I'm not interested. That's not that's not what this story wants to be. The story doesn't want me to sit there for, you know, wait two years, watch a two-hour movie, then wait two more years, watch another two-hour movie, that kind of thing. So is Star Wars best served? I mean, they must have some sort of plan, like, we would like to have a Star Wars movie at the by the end of the decade or something like that. Um, one certainly does not get the impression that that's where they're headed. I would argue, Pete, not with kind of the timeline being a bit fractured as it is. You know, fine, we have the Kenobi stuff. And then four or five years later in the Star Wars chronology, we have the Andor stuff. That's going to be all well and good. 24 episodes. Who will live? Who will die? Everybody dies in the end in Rogue One, etc. Okay, fine. Then we have the what ahsoka mandalorian skeleton crew timeline like again my point being not a lot of this is necessarily forming towards and when star wars thanos comes kenobi and andor and ahsoka and the mandalorian (laughs) and the skeleton crew must all team up in star wars infinity saga the movie like the pieces aren't there yet, and I would say this, to the credit of Star Wars, to the credit of Lucasfilm, to the credit of Disney, the fact that they're not racing towards that, that's good, too. That's what got DC in trouble, quite frankly. Let's just skip all the in-between stuff, and let's do the big right. thing. Take your time, man, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, and okay, carve out the little niche here. Okay, we're, we're going to do the, the six episodes of of Kenobi here, the, the parts. Um you know, take you here, take you there, introduce this character. Here's a con man. Here's the role that, that he plays and who Obi-Wan is by the time he's meeting Luke and, and going on what proves to be his final journey in corporeal form before he takes the lessons he's learned from Liam Neeson's character at the end of this series when they head off into a little canyon there. You know, I... It, it all checks out. It all fits. <laughs> I enjoyed this. <laughs> I don't think there are enough people that, you know, realize you can sit and watch a thing and enjoy it. Yes. Do we do we sit and we analyze and we talk about it? We do. But this was successful in doing it. So just enjoy it, man. Well, Pete, let's see how other people enjoyed it. We ran a Twitter poll. Uh, what did you think of the six-episode run? Pete, I am super, super proud of these poll choices here, okay? My own uh, Qui-Gon Jinn appeared to me. It kind of whispered inspiration to my ear. So working our way from the bottom on up. Uh, Mustafarily Bad yeah, got 0%. <laughs> uh, among the Best Pin got tw- uh, 2.8%. By the way, Pete, did you see what the uh, emoji was for that one? I don't remember. It was it was it was a uh, it, it was a, a, a fuel pump because Bespin has all the gas. Yeah, it's a gas planet. There you go. Okay, um, moving on our, our, on our way up here. Uh, Tatotally worked sixteen point seven percent, and then Alderaan Amazing 
80.6%. So, you know, 80% in that top spot there. Some replies to our tweet, Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. Really enjoyed this series. I loved it. It was about little Leia. That was so unexpected, but a total delight. So much of the Skywalker saga has been about Luke. This was a great opportunity to showcase the other twins' son. Uh, it's S-U-N. She's using metaphorical language there, Pete. Uh, to me, the show took on the story beats of a Marvel Disney Plus, uh, of the Marvel Disney Plus shows. Episode 4 popped off. Episode 5 got the rewind. And episode 6 wrapped things up with a good battle. I think if they do more Kenobi... Uh, with Kenobi, it should not be with any legacy characters. He could work more with Roken. Next up, JT Adkins. JTA is me. This series had its long game down, which made it thoroughly enjoyable. Sure, they answered slash tied up the canon questions, but that's just good technical technicalities, not drama. Thankfully, on the dramatic side, they nailed it over and over again. Such a great arc, not only for Obi-Wan, but also for Leia, Reva, Owen, Roken, Haja, and Tala. I love that this doesn't change our view of characters in A New Hope, but it does expand our understanding of them. Ooh, that JT almost sounds like a like a Jedi master there. <laughs> uh, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. When it comes to Star Wars on the big or small screen, I'm fairly easy to please. I was even thrilled about watching the holiday special when I was seven years old in 1978. Give me a good story with characters I like, set in the universe I love, and not much can go wrong. Kenobi was great. JT Atkins replies, I'm right there with you, man. Wonder if we would enjoy Star Wars more if we became nitpicky and bitter. Uh, hmm. Uh, do that we will not. The way of the dark side, that is. I will say, Pete, if you want to test, if any listener out there wants to test their own dark side quotient, here's what you do. You sit, you put on the holiday special, go find it on YouTube. You put on the holiday special, but you make a deal with yourself. You're not going to change the channel. You're not going to look at your phone. You're not going to stop it. <laughs> Here's the good news. You don't need to do, you know, do commercial breaks except for what YouTube might put in there. So it won't be as long as it would have been in 1978. If you can make that, if you can make it through that without any nitpicking, then you are Yoda level Jedi pureness in my book. I mean, go to Patreon where uh, we have our commentary track. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a it's a slog. It's a slog. Pete, let's hear from David Siller. It's at Siller David Poet. I think the series hit all the right notes. It surprised us when necessary and played with all the emotions and feelings and wonder we've harbored since that fateful May in 1977. I love The Mandalorian. The Book of Boba Fett was very good slash very satisfying, but Obi-Wan is the best Star Wars content that Disney Plus has delivered. And whether we get another installment or not, I'll be watching this over and over like I did the original trilogy and the prequels and the sequels. This is the way the Force will be with us always stay fantastic uh, pete i would dare say uh at siller david poet being very poetic in these uh recent tweets here absolutely and you know on the concept of this being the best one he's not alone there are a lot of people who all right obi-wan was my jam that's the best that they've done here and given the high bar with the mandalorian and i have a really soft spot for the, the book of Boba Fett, it's high praise. Pete from Jedi Wisdom. Now we're going to hear from Darren Bell. That's at Darth Rasslin 79. Don't worry, he's not one of those scary Darths. Uh, I had high hopes for the series, but felt it was better than I hoped. The story definitely didn't go the way I thought it would, focusing on Leia. But I loved it. Finally seeing a live action version of Vader actually being as powerful as we were told he was 
was great. Would have liked to see more of the fourth sister and fifth brother, obviously, uh, but obviously with only six episodes, they had to concentrate on the storytelling. Also, as Lola wasn't seen in the movies, I'm afraid that means they were on Alderaan when the Death Star tested its capabilities. Pete, is it R.I.P. Lola? Dude, Lola is floating out there in space. She's just fine. She she got away in time from Alderaan. You heard it there from Pete. Uh, special Star Wars mini animated minisode <laughs> coming. The tale of Lola. Anyhow, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 says, great series. Hope they have a second season and or Reva spinoff. Everyone was expecting a Luke-centric show and Leia wound up stealing the show. Hope to see more. Uh, in reply, Strange New Tweets, K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter, said, yes, that's exactly what I was expecting. And I was very pleasantly surprised. I'd love to see uh, a Reva series, if not another Kenobi show. Seemed to me there are lots of stories to tell in those years. Uh, and Strange New Tweets wraps up by saying, I'd love to see more. Uh, we all know what happens in the future, but there are years where Kenobi did something. It doesn't have to be a Vader or Empire battle story. Maybe Adventures with Haja. Regardless, great series, even if... That's all we get. Pete, that a lot of great uh, thoughts there from Twitter. I think a real glimpse into how much people dug this series, Matt. And if you dig us, you get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. All sorts of things to dig into. Pete, anytime that fantastic geek hyperdrive starts to sputter or cough, uh, we know that we have that support there on patreon.com to, you know, change out the motivator, do what we have to do to keep on going. And uh, being listener supported really does mean so, so much. And uh, particularly the fact that uh, people who have joined our Patreon have stuck with us. And we've had certainly a lot of new people recently. So all of that means so much. So thanks, as always, for those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from. Can't contribute right now. We totally understand. You can get yourself over to Apple Podcasts and without a monetary donation, be able to help us by leaving us a rating or a review. Indeed, Pete. And as we look ahead to Andor, Pete, if you can believe it, at the end of next month, that's how soon it is as we look ahead to other Star Wars adventures happening in 2022, maybe 2023 for sure. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,612 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. When will we talk about Kenobi again? Who knows, Pete? There could be news this week. There could be news later this month, later this year. So certainly, uh, as we wrap up this portion of the Kenobi adventure, we hope people continue to stay subscribed to the kenobi feed if not hopefully we'll be able to catch you on the pop culture podcast by fantastic geek feed where uh, that'll get any breaking kenobi news as well also looking ahead to talking about uh, star trek tomorrow thor ms marvel in the near future as well with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word goodbye there <laughs>